We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Bobby, you just want to do some rapid fire? Let's do it. All right. Fill in the blank on this first one. The Manti Teo documentary has been up on Netflix for a little bit more than a week now. We talked about it last week, obviously. It's blank that Manti has been receiving almost universal support since the documentary was released. Expected is the word I would use for fill in the blank. The way that that was all set up, I you have to feel for the guy. How could you not? Like um, I had a, a buddy that was telling me, they go, he was... He was anti-manti, but then he watched a documentary and he was like, yeah, how could you not see it from his perspective and think, okay, it all makes sense. Like, the, the, I don't think there's a anything about it that would make anybody think that he was a part of it or it was a ruse or he's putting it on or he was trying to get Heisman votes. I think that it's pretty much expected the way that it, the way that it was framed that he should get all the support. I really wondered how people would feel after watching that. Would they actually be swayed? And it just seems like even people who are on the fence or anti-Manti or even anti-Notre Dame, especially the anti-Notre Dame people, like I felt like there would still be more, uh, oh yeah, but you know, that kind of stuff. There hasn't been that. And I think the lack of remorse won from Rania slash Naya or, you know, whatever, you know, she, whatever, she, you know, she's calling herself now, I think it's Naya or, or Naya or something like that. The, the lack of remorse that she showed and the, the fact that Manti was not the only one she scammed, you know, I think that that plays into this whole thing. And, and again, the fact that she was so forthcoming with it and basically admitted to everything she did, even though, again, there was a lack of remorse. And then people are we talked about it last week. People are anti the deadspin people too. Even if they really were going after big media and just wanted to take their shot at ESPN and, and the big boys deadspin, I think still comes out looking a little bit, you know, there was, there was part of that story they could have left out initially where there was, you know, like a source that said they thought that Manti was involved. And I think that if you take that out, then it, then it does really direct all the, all the you know the the entire assault at ESPN and those big media entities that they were talking about SI and the New York Times and those kind of things. So 
I've been I've been a little bit shocked just with the complete overwhelming support Manti has gotten out of this. I think one thing too, and again, we touched on this a little bit last week. We know so much more ten years later about just the concept of catfishing and what it is. I think there were so many people who had no idea, and just to see the lengths that this person went to to dupe Manti. And ultimately, and I know I said this last week, ultimately the fact that Renaya has transformed into now a woman a decade later, it's it's basically like this is the person that Renaya always wanted to be. And so you can kind of see from that aspect how basically he was in love with Manti the whole time. This, you know, so... I'm a little, I'm surprised at just the, again, the overwhelming support. I guess I'm not surprised at the support just because of how jaded people can be even when they see this kind of stuff. Yeah, but it's wild because like you said, that Renaya became the, the, the person they wanted to be, but the way that they created that profile, they made, they created that profile in a way that can't fish other people. So when man, yeah. I went to check on it, people are like, oh yeah, I know them. Well, they didn't know them either, but but uh, Manti, the people he reached out to, they they seemed to know that there was a real person because they've been catfish as well. The level, the the layers of the onion that you could unpeel from that right. made for a good documentary. But also, I think it makes sense that he gets all that support because. And then we go back. I keep the the moment to me that I didn't know going into that documentary is when someone held up a photo. They had the initials on it that Manti asked for and the date and had the hand sign. Yeah. Of course, if you see that, how are you not supposed to think that's who you're talking to? Because that's a very specific picture and a very specific image. So, like, obviously he was the victim and obviously he was going through and it became very publicized because of what it was and the timing. And he was the first celebrity to get catfished. So I think that now, like you saw it, revisionist history kind of, but like, I think you look back on it and it's like, well, now we should feel bad for Manti because that almost ruined his whole career, his whole life on yep. top of already being sad and already being embarrassed. I mean, so that's why I think part of the the overwhelming support is because we, we're getting secondhand embarrassment for him and also understanding like, well, damn, that's, that's pretty convincing. Like, why wouldn't you think that? Yeah. I hope this, I hope it helps him move on from this it, it seemed like he was at a place just talking in the documentary like he was starting to how he talked about the forgiveness and forgiving himself but that he got from talking to the psychologist I, I i hope that that again all this overwhelming support really helps him you know to continue to move on yeah i hope all so right. too and he looks like a he was our you covered him, but like he was always a good human when we covered him. Yes. And I think that, that that's also what comes through in the documentary. It's just he's yes. a good man. He's a good human. And he, you know, so like you, you want to cheer for a guy like that. Trade Coffee sent us two new flavors after my wife filled out their quiz. Big City French Roast from Joe Coffee in New York City and Black Velvet from Atomic Coffee Roasters in Massachusetts. The Black Velvet was a dark roast with a note of burnt sugar graham cracker, and malted milk balls. It was a very rich but smooth flavor that reminded her a bit of her favorite dessert, creme brulee. The Big City French roast was also a dark roast, which is right up my wife's alley. And it was flavored with burnt sugar, baking chocolate, and roasted almonds. The smell in the kitchen while she was preparing a cup of coffee put a smile on my face, and she said the taste was even better and sweeter. And she didn't pick these flavors. 
They were chosen by trade after she filled out a short quiz. You got to give this a try. And Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is so confident they'll match you right the first time that if they don't, they'll take your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send you a brand new bag for free. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping and handling when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash Irish for $30 off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, let's move on to uh, one of your favorite topics. If Notre Dame knew now what it didn't know then, do you think they would have given Brian Kelly his vacated wins back only to see him bolt for LSU, of course, at the end of the same season he broke Newt Rockney's record? Not a chance. I don't think this was the first time Brian Kelly has been flirted with other programs. I don't think it's the first time that he's considered leaving. So I think the fact that he's the all-time winning guy, I think that played into it. I think that was why he's like, I'm doing everything at Notre Dame I can do. I don't think I can win a championship there. Right or wrong, that's just what he was thinking, not what I'm saying. So I think that he knew that I already got the all-time wins record at one of the most prestigious universities in the country. So obviously that's going to be a pin in my cap. And I think that I think that's one of the things that maybe Notre Dame would have given him the win so that he could leave, but I don't think they would have let him have the record. Right. And he wanted to go to the Eagles, as, as that comment says in the chat. And that was the tail here as well. So there was a lot going yeah, on. But exactly. But I don't think that if he, if Notre Dame knew today how it would all play out. I don't think they would want him to leave because he left with such a disgusting taste in the mouth of Notre Dame fans. I don't think they would have let him have the all-time winning record and then leave. 
I don't think so either, because when you're dealing with a program like Notre Dame, the tradition, the history, it all means so much. The Heisman trophies, the national championships, Newt Rockney himself, you know, one of the foundations really of, of college football and an innovator in the early days of college football. And just, you know, again, what Notre Dame is, I, I just, I don't think that there is any way if they knew that Brian Kelly was going to pull up stakes in the middle of the night and the entrance was going or the exit was going to go essentially exactly. And that's what's ironic to me is he gets the record against Wisconsin. He comes home the next week. They're playing Cincinnati, the school he bolted for. They introduce him on the field as Notre Dame's all-time winningest coach of all games against Cincinnati, his old school. And he helped put that game together, you know, years before knowing what Cincinnati was going to be that year. And he gets a chorus of boos from all these people in red because they remember exactly how he left Cincinnati. And then just a couple of months later, he does the exact same thing to Notre Dame. I don't think there's any way if Notre Dame knew then what they, you know, well, knew 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 what they didn't. If they knew, knew <laughs> now they what knew they knew now then. what they didn't know then. Yeah. Yes, it's a tongue twister, Bobby. And again, it's one of those days. You know, vocals are, are are just optional, I guess. Today, there's no way he gets those wins back. There's no way. I think the question that that we're really asking here is what matters more: the coach having the winning record or Notre Dame having the wins as a program. Because in 50 years, we may not remember that it was Brian Kelly. And that's part of it, too, because like the whole thing with Michigan, the number one all-time, number two all-time, and all that kind of and stuff. And they had a lot of wins that year. Yeah, yep, exactly. Well, yeah, in those years, yeah. That they but I think away. it's incredible that like if they had won that championship against Alabama and then had to vacate it, how ugly of a look would that have been? So no. it's almost better that they lost that last game. Yeah, it, you know, and – from the Notre Dame perspective, I've said this before, they very easily could have not self-reported and just moved on and, and none of this probably ever comes to light. But they did self-report and not only did they self-report, they also gave the students involved due process that, you know, they, they, they gave them their, you know, they, they, they gave them their, their chance to, to prove or disprove that any of this actually happened before they took judgment against him. The NCAA basically said, well, if you booted him right away, then none of this ever would have happened. And it's just more BS from the NCAA is what it all comes down to. But there's no way Notre Dame gives him those. Now, you make a good point about, you know, it's not just Brian Kelly's wins, it's the program's wins. But from the Brian Kelly perspective, I don't think they probably make that move if they had, well, if they had, had you know, if some – some crystal ball to look into and know that that was going to happen. Exactly. I was just going to say, if you can tell me the end point of anything, I can tell you right. how to start and navigate towards it. But so I think, I still think it's interesting though, because in, in you we're saying this right now is refresh from losing Brian Kelly in five years. Is it going to be nice to have a little bit, 12 more wins over Michigan? Hmm. Next question. Mm -hmm. Where would Brian Kelly have had a better chance to win a national championship in the next three years? Here at Notre Dame or where he is now at LSU? Absolutely at Notre Dame. 
I think you go to LSU and you're already fighting the Titans down there in the SEC. You're going to have to beat Alabama and get over Auburn and get over and win the SEC championship with Georgia. And then just to make the playoffs. So I, I think there's an easier route from the program, but I think Notre Dame is ready made and they're the way they're set up. They're already on the playoff front door every year. So I think, I think Notre Dame's the answer. I understand that LSU might have an easier road, but that program is not in as good a shape as Notre Dame is. And Notre Dame's already going to be in the playoff conversation. And that's what we've talked about the last several weeks with all the television and all the conferences is how Notre Dame has a viable path to the playoffs. So I think Notre Dame is, better shot right now they're better set up than LSU will be if Brian Kelly definitely has Marcus Freeman for at least two of those three years then it's a slam to you know because Marcus Freeman still is the defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman is doing the recruiting obviously then yes Brian Kelly has the better chance at Notre Dame but if Marcus Freeman is gone like if if he would have taken another head coaching job last year or I think the you know best case scenario, he was probably going to get this year out of Marcus Freeman as a defensive coordinator, and assuming they were good again, he was going to be a hot commodity. He was going to be gone. If Freeman was going to be around for the full three years, then I would definitely say Notre Dame. It makes it a little bit tougher, though, because you've still got Brian Kelly here, and we've already seen – He was at a ceiling. You know, but, he said that was his ceiling. We saw we saw over the course of 12 years what Brian Kelly and recruiting were all about. You know, there there was definitely a higher level than when he got here, but at the same time, he, you know, the the whole shopping down the different aisle, he had written off a certain level of talent that he had just completely disregarded because he felt like, and his wide receivers coach that he was probably going to keep around, and his offensive line coach, Harry Heastand wouldn't be back right now. His offensive line coach that he was going to keep around, those were not championship caliber assistant coaches slash, you know, Quinn at least could recruit a little bit, but they weren't the kind of coaches that were going to win a national championship. So, you know, yes, I think Brian Kelly, had he stayed at Notre Dame, would still have a chance, a better chance probably to be in the playoff. But I'll say I'll say three years from now, he's better off at LSU to have that shot. Just because, you know, again, I don't think Marcus Freeman was going to be here to recruit. We Again, we know Harry Heastand was not coming back if Brian Kelly was here. So I think the whole complexion is different with Marcus Freeman here. You know, maybe it, it kind of sheens it. A little bit, so I'll I'll say his better chances at LSU than Notre Dame because he put a self-imposed cap on what he thought he could reach at Notre Dame. So yeah, I, I don't think it was going to happen for him here. He's also gone down to LSU and thought he'd be a recruiting savant and lost out on some of the recruits without that uh -huh. cap. Yeah, so I think I don't think he's going to build it at LSU in three years to be a championship contender or even a playoff contender. I don't think he's even got a shot to be in the playoff. RJ wants to know if Notre Dame has a chance against the Buckeyes at all. My answer is yes. I still think this is going to be a very competitive game because, again, I think Notre Dame is going to be much better at the line of scrimmage, especially on the offensive side of the ball, than they were a year ago with a mobile quarterback and that offensive line and the running backs that they have. They're going to run the ball 
better than they did a year ago. And as we talked about early in the show with Jesse and the different personnel packages and stuff like that, there are a lot of mismatches that Notre Dame can create in the passing game, whether it's multiple tight ends, multiple running backs, whatever you want to do. And I think the defense is going to be really good as well. So, you know, I know nationally it's still, you know, plus what, 15 and a half, 16 and a half, depending on where you look. I still think it's now, could it end up being a double digit game by the end? I suppose it could, but I still think it's going to be a very competitive game through at least three plus quarters. And then anything can happen in the fourth quarter. I think it's going to be, I, I do think that they have a shot. Well, each possession, you can get eight points. So a double-digit win isn't necessarily always indicative of how good of a game it was. I think this game, one thing about the Buckeyes, is I think that last year they took a step down. And if they take another step down this year, I think Notre Dame was equal with them last year. I would have liked to see them play last year because I think it would have been a really good game. Mm -hmm. I think the momentum for Notre Dame is going up and Ohio State's going down. I think Notre Dame has a better shot than what the national pundits are saying. I think they have a better shot than when DraftKings are saying. So I think that that spread is really enticing if you like online gambling. Well, other than, and that's 15. That's not even 10. So I think Notre Dame's going to play them a lot tougher than what people are thinking. I just think Notre Dame right now with their, their athletes, they're competitive with anybody. Like I said, they're already going to be in the playoff talk. And Ohio State is as well. So it's a nice matchup. But I think that – I don't think Ohio State's – leaps and bounds better than Notre Dame. I think that they're about equal right now. So it'll be it's a game day decision of a pick'em almost in my mind of who's going to win because I the the home field might help out Ohio State a little bit as well. But I don't think that Notre Dame's going to be that severe of an underdog once the game starts. Yeah, I don't either. I completely agree with that, Bobby. You uh I think you hit it on the head. College football does start this weekend. Again, we've got the IB Countdown to Kickoff show, 10 o'clock this Saturday morning. We'll be talking about a lot of the action going on around the country. Bobby, how much is college football going to occupy your time this weekend in week zero? <laughs> Man, the White Sox are kind of terrible. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so why I'm, not? Huh? <laughs> so I'm probably going to check in. I'll probably give it, you know, five or six hours, two games maybe. Like I'd like to – just get into it and see some football because again, preseason NFL is a little bit of a taste, but then college starting that, that really helps get everything kicked off. Um, I I'm, I'm happy to see everything starting. So I'll probably give it significant amount of time on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, I'll at least give it Nebraska Northwestern and see what that looks like. <laughs> you see how competitive that First game half, looks like. Yeah. I mean, otherwise I, I, just for this weekend, Florida State, Duquesne, Ugh. you know, North Carolina, Florida, A&M, New Mexico State, Nevada, Illinois versus Wyoming. Other than Nebraska and Northwestern playing over there in Dublin, there aren't, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm talking about just this weekend. Now, later in the week, like Thursday, you've got some relatively interesting matchups. Like you've got Pitt against West Virginia. So that's kind of, you know, backyard brawl. Yeah, there you go little backyard brawl situation, and you've got Purdue and Penn State next Thursday night, Conference so that's going to be interesting as well. So, you know, like those Thursday games, yes, but this weekend specifically, you know, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be definitely watching that Nebraska-Northwestern game. It's, it's really interesting to me. 
Scott Frost and Nebraska, you know, this is it's already year five for him. He has not had a winning season yet. Yeah, and, he's been a bust. Yeah. And this is it, this schedule sets up really nicely for him. It's it's gonna give him a shot, you know, to to get out. And at least it's 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 backloaded. It's gonna give him a shot to have a winning record going into the second half of the season. Then he's gonna have to figure it out. He's got some cupcakes on there. So if he can't have a winning record this year, man, and uh, and especially he loses that game at Northwestern, you know, does he get fired on the tarmac in Dublin? <laughs> <laughs> Not in Dublin. They give him one more week. But then, like you said, then he's going to start winning some games because they're cupcakes. It's always interesting to me that Nebraska, the last several years, they've had some good starts. And then it's like they're almost like the new Texas, like Nebraska's back. And then they're not. And then they don't even make a bowl game. Then they have a losing record. And I think I think that Illinois-Wyoming game, I mean, in terms of football, it'll be the second best thing to watch all weekend over NFL preseason and any other college game. I just think there's going to be some good football in it, you know, if you if you really want to if you're thirsty for content. So I think <laughs> I think yeah, you're right the Northwestern game, like how how good are they? Nobody knows how good anybody is right now, but yeah. Seeing Nebraska fail is always kind of how they fail or why they fail, and especially with Frost, it's kind of always a unique um, beginning of the season tradition for any college football fan in the Midwest to see how they uh, fall apart yet it's again. It's become a sport itself in the last few years, seeing how they, they fall right. apart. Yeah. And yeah. their quarterback is now at Kansas State, you know, so they've got a new quarterback this year as well. And that was their only strength over the last several years, so yep. now they got nothing, so they should be even worse. <laughs> Good luck, Frost. Yeah. You made the great move there, didn't you? Fill in the blank on this next one. It's blank that during the height of the pandemic, Rutgers let its athletics or its athletes rather use DoorDash to have food delivered to their homes. Some of them who are living hundreds of miles away in Florida, they ran up a total tab. Rutgers athletes did $450,000 during the pandemic. What do you think about all that? Bobby? And what was their budget? Their athletic department budget is seventy-three million bucks per year. I think four hundred and fifty thousand dollars alone in DoorDash fees. Just DoorDash. <laughs> I think that's absolutely crazy. I don't. I don't understand. Like they want them to eat good, but I feel like that there's two for like one. It's stupid for the budget, but two. So who knows what they're ordering? It's probably not healthy stuff. Like they're probably ordering burgers and chicken and and all the good foods that I would like to order. But that's yeah. not keeping you in game shape. So it's it's I think it's crazy on two levels. I think one is the money and two they're not going to stay healthy by doing that. No, I completely agree. And you know, I I'd like to know, you know, this is one of those things where somebody gets a hold of this number. It's a state school, so the number gets out. I'd like to know kind of what other schools were doing during all mm -hmm. this. I would I would think that you would just rather than say, okay, use DoorDash, we'll pay your DoorDash fees. I would think that they all just have some kind of per diem, you know, like a daily per diem that they're getting, whether it's 50 bucks or you know, I don't know what it would be when you're dealing with remotely and everybody's home and all that kind of stuff, obviously. But four hundred and fifty thousand dollars seems very extravagant because we were all living through the heart of the pandemic. And now that's a lot of athletes when you're talking about a whole athletic 
department. So I don't know what it would come out per person, but it's got to be a good, I would think, you know, in the, in the five to 10 grand range that you're talking about that these kids were ringing up out there. So it's a little bit much, especially when you're talking about Rutgers. Yeah. Well, then there's that it's Rutgers. It's not like it's a big program that has like Stanford who's good in every sport or whatever. And, and general, I just, like, if I'm a student, hell yeah, I'm going to take advantage of all that. But I don't – I mean, you might as well. If they yeah. say they're going to cover it, you might as well. Like you said, I would. it'll be interesting to see if any other schools get outed or if they were smarter in their way of thinking about it. Like, maybe give them a gift card or something so you don't see it quite right transparent as the, you know, the balance sheet there with that, putting that much money on, on DoorDash. I mean, you know what? Maybe somebody had a thousand dollar, you know, steak delivered or something, and that skewed the whole thing. But that much, four hundred and some thousand dollars, that's a hit for anything, much less DoorDash. And no like you said, if they're in Florida and you're in New Jersey, what's the like? You're not shopping local. You're not. You're not helping the local economy, right? Why are you helping kids in Florida that has nothing to do with where you are? Well, and a lot of a lot of restaurants were doing their own deliveries and stuff like that. You know, a majority, it, it seemed like, like, like you shouldn't have needed DoorDash. Excuse me, it seems like, but I don't know. I don't know. Again, yeah, seems, seems yeah. I just, I, I think it's crazy that, that I, and maybe there is something more to it. Like maybe they were hiding money there. I don't. <laughs> I just don't. It doesn't Bobby make his, sense. Bobby like, and his money laundering scheme. Yeah. The, the <laughs> pandemic was crazy. We all evolved. We all had to think on the fly. But geez, four hundred and some thousand dollars of your budget is shot on food. That's a uh, that's weak, especially when you're a bad program. Maybe if you had better program, better facilities well, there's that too. or everything. There is that because again, it's Rutgers. Yeah. Last question for tonight. There's the the viral video that's been going around over the last couple of days. That guy at the baseball game, I think he was at a Yankees game, turned his hot dog into a beer straw. Did you see that? Yeah. Have you ever no. considered turning no. your hot dog into a no. straw? Hot doggers are meant to be eaten, and they're not a sandwich, by the way. That's another hot take. Um, True story. True story. Not a sandwich. But One of the few no. things you One. and I agree on. You ruined two things there. You ruined the hot dog because now it's a, a vessel for liquid. And two, you ruined the beer because now it has a hot dog flavor. Eat your <laughs> damn hot dog, drink your beer. You don't need to mix the two. I mean, a ballpark hot dog has its own flavor, though, right? And like even ballpark beer kind of seems like it has its own. So maybe it helps out both. It's funny because the, the guy's got his own little, he's got like, you know, his little poker thing, and he's sitting there poking through, and then he's, like, eating the piece of hot dog off the end of the poker as he hollows out the hot dog. And then he picks up his beer, and he drops the ballpark dog right in the middle of the beer, and he starts sucking the beer out. It's Even if even if you are on his would, side. I don't think it would – I don't think that it would taste that bad personally, but there's no way. I've never thought of turning my hot dog into a straw, and I don't think that I would do it. What I want to see next is if, like, Yankee Stadium decides they're going to make their own, you know, hot dog straws. Or maybe this becomes a thing at, at well, guaranteed rate. They're hurting to get people okay. in there. Okay. You know, maybe, maybe. No shot. <laughs> I think the Yankees will do uh, – you have to drink to watch the Yankees these days. They are not playing well. 
And then you, but here's the deal. Even if you're on the side of him and you say like, yeah, you should make, be creative. Beer doesn't need a straw is one thing for sure. Good point. Ed. Two, <laughs> how much time did he, did he miss of the game because he was trying to figure this out? And is he doing this at home? There's a lot of – we need to dig deep. I need an interview with that guy because it's, yeah, like, it's is this guy Like is he making beer hot dogs at home mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time too? Or, or like, did he have enough else, beer to think of this is he idea? turning into a straw when he's at home? Right. <laughs> you know, this is just when he's out in public. <laughs> yeah. And if you and notice in that video, did. there weren't a lot of people around him. Not a lot of people supporting him. That's true. That is very true. So he's left to his own devices. He probably already had six before that. Good points all the way around. Something, you know, again, something that I never would have thought I would see. But uh, I, I wonder, like, what this guy's life now, life is like right now, a few days after being caught on camera with a beer straw or the the hot dog straw. I hope that I hope that he's realized the wrongs in his ways, and he's drinking beer like a normal human and not like a sociopath, because that. How do you, why? Like, even if you do it at home, do it at home. When you're in public, don't embarrass yourself. I agree. Well, you know, you notice he didn't have kids with him, though, either. So it wasn't like, you know, he had kids too embarrassed by any means. It was just him. Did he eat the hot dog at the end then, or is that just purely a straw? I just, the only thing that I saw on the video was, you know, he hollows out the dog, he drops it in the beer, he takes a pull, and then he sets it down so you know there was there was a lot of beer left in the cup so i'm gonna and a lot to of imagine, hot dog left on the straw i'm yeah i'm going to imagine that he drank all the beer like that and then uh, polished yeah. off the dog at the end and i was just thinking about that like the dog, dog once it once the dog gets cold Mm-mm. that's not good at all right so ah see like you know we're not i'm not even worried about the taste i'm worried about the temperature and like a cold hot dog, nobody wants. And the beer, does it get warm as it goes through that warm hot dog? Yeah. Thank you, John B. Very good points. You know, like this sounded like a novelty thing at first, but the more I think about it, I'm just. Yeah, I feel like it's, you're, it's, you're it's expanding no. your mind as we discuss it. It's a no. <laughs> yeah. Don't forget, we've got the new IB Countdown to Kickoff show coming up this Saturday morning. We'll be doing it every Saturday morning, 10 a.m live on YouTube, and of course, it'll be up on the podcast platforms afterwards as well. So we've got that coming up. Vince and I will be with you to start the show. Brian Driscoll will be jumping in over the course of the show as well. And um, so we'll be looking forward to that. We'll be kicking it off, a little season preview show coming up this Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. Bobby, Have yourself a good weekend. Stay away from hot dog beer straws, and I will talk to you next time. I might have a beer and a hot dog, but I'm not mixing them as a straw. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for jumping in with us tonight. IB Nation Sports Talk.